Welcome to Happy Hour. Happy Monday, everybody. An overreaction Monday that uh, really overreactionary in all the best ways today. John Campbell, your local alternative South State Radio. And of course, Lions are where we're going to start things today. We'll talk about yesterday's game and really kind of setting the expectation for this thing going forward because as of right now, you sit in a tie for first place in the National Football League. And if if you thought that we were going to be saying this after six weeks of this season, I'm going to tell you you're a dirty, filthy liar because no, you weren't. We'll get into that. Michigan, of course, demolished uh, Indiana over the weekend. I guess we'll, we'll talk about that a bit. And the less said about whatever it was that State did, the better. And, of course, a, a decent game for the Red Wings as well which I know Adam's going to be very excited to talk about the, this team's first win of the season. We'll get into that. We'll do all the other NFL overreactions, in, including last night's game where, oh, New York, you, you, G-Men, you tried so, so hard and then just choked at the worst possible time. We'll, we'll talk about all that and all, the whole week in NFL overreactions. We'll do it all next, but we'll get started with the Lions here at your local alternative, South State Radio. Puddle of Mud at your local alternative, Solid State Radio. What's going on? It's happy hour. Sean Campbell here on an overreaction Monday. And I don't know how this is possible. If you would have told me this at the start of the season, I wouldn't have believed you. But as of right now, your Detroit Football Lions currently sit at the top of the National Football League. It's like a three or four-way tie. But that doesn't matter. Don't care. Sitting at 5-1 and one right now. Best record in the National Football League, along with like three other teams. But still, and if you, if you thought this was going to happen, if you would have said this was going to happen at the start of this season, if you thought we'd be here by now, put your hands down, you dirty, filthy liars, because you knew damn well that you didn't think that. I know I certainly didn't have it happening. I didn't have you, your only loss being to Seattle. I didn't have you beating KC. A lot of people didn't have you beating Tampa Bay, no doubt. But they did and looked damn good doing it. And there's really not a particular thing you can single out that was bad here on Sunday. There's certainly not anything that... I don't know if there was really one standout thing. There was, there was multiple things that I was very happy with. I mean, if you had to come up with something that wasn't great, your, your O-line could have been better. They, uh, the, the Bucks got to golf a lot. But at the same point in time, the run game didn't really do so hot either. They held them 40 yards on 22 carries over the day. Like, this was very much a, a passing day for this Lions team. But it almost seems like nitpicking at this point. You saw what I saw yesterday. You saw Jared Goff go out there and do everything that you possibly could have asked him to do despite the fact that he was just getting blitzed all day, every day. And he still did everything you needed. And he didn't have a run game. He had a hell of a defense up against him that just, and Todd Bowles just blitzes all the damn time. We saw it a bunch on Sunday. But yet, he threw the ball 25 times in the second half and completed 18 of those passes for 203 yards. 360 on the day? Six of nine third downs were converted in the second half. They ran down that clock. They won, and they won in decisive fashion. Honestly, even the fact that your running backs didn't generate a whole lot of offense yesterday, 
didn't end up mattering. I mean, yeah, David Montgomery went down with an injury. That kind of sucked. You were already out. Jameer Gibbs didn't help much. But both guys were quite active in the passing game, and Reynolds had a nice little block on the, the Amon Ross St. Brown touchdown. That man just going around and manhandling guys. It was great to see that. As St. Brown's just cutting all the way back and around, Craig Reynolds just comes in like a Mack truck and just knocks a defender on his ass. It was great to see. Like, yeah, you're not signing to be necessarily be a, a, a blocker, but he did such a great job at it yesterday when it counted. And between him and Jamison Williams, between, uh, no, between St. Brown and Jamison Williams yesterday, you, like, you're... The whiteouts were about as good as you could have possibly expected. Like St. Brown going out there and doing I'm going St. Brown things and JMO finally giving this that impact play that we have been waiting for since drafting him a year and a half ago. And we finally got to see what JMO can do when he's at 100%, when he's not being suspended for gambling and things of that nature. And it was such a beautiful thing to see on Sunday. And now you find yourself atop the NFC, now the NFC North, the NFC, the NFL in general. And I feel like there's a couple questions we have to ask here, and we'll get into those next. Here's the killers at Solid State Radio. Drogue 9 at Solid State Radio. It is happy hour, and I mentioned I had a couple questions I feel like I need to ask about this Lions team. And the first one I'm just going to throw out there is, is Jared Goff an elite quarterback? At the very least, can we stop acting like this man's a total scrub? You, and you know who you are. There's, there's a few, more than a few out there, certainly in the, in the media sphere, who have never been willing to acknowledge that they were wrong about golf when the Stafford trade happened and have, despite the fact that he's continued to produce, especially this last basically 17 games or so, but just will not acknowledge it. Okay, this guy's actually good. And he was getting pressure all day long from Tampa Bay. And still managed to throw up just stupid numbers. Over the last 16 games, 4,152 yards, 28 touchdowns, four interceptions. Those are pretty good numbers over any season for any quarterback. And pro football focus seems to think rather highly of him, too. He was the highest-rated QB in the NFL going into Sunday's game. And that going up against guys like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes. PFF's got Jared Goff ranked higher than any of those guys. You could make an argument for or against the elite QB thing. But good Lord, people, give them, can we give the man his flowers already? He's clearly no scrub. He has, he has faced all of the pressure, certainly yesterday and at plenty of times over this season where either the run game didn't get going or the O-line just wasn't really protecting him all that much. Certainly yesterday was a great example of that. And he still managed to go out there and keep you in games. I mean, I can see the argument that 
you know, playing outside of, uh, you know, outside the pocket. Once the play breaks down, you know, the things that Pat Mahomes just does every week, like just makes magic happen. Like Goff's not that guy is necessarily going to be that guy. But I think you can certainly argue he's playing at an elite level right now. Are you ever going to see the athleticism out of him that you do out of, say, a Pat Mahomes, a Josh Allen, guys that can just make plays happen with just crazy throws or just beating you with their legs? No, he's not that guy, and he's not going to be that guy. But there is something to be said when you look at yesterday on third and fourth down against Tampa Bay, 10 for 14, 176 yards, two touchdowns, pass a rating of 153.3. Like, when it's, when it's crunch time, he's, no, one, no one's coming through better right now in this league than Jared Goff is. And I think it's time to acknowledge that. But it seems like there's a whole lot of people still that just won't. Like, I, I am not fully asking you to buy into the Lions of Super Bowl contenders right now, though. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about their, their, their playoff odds here coming up in a little bit. But... What does Jared Goff have to do? What does this man have to prove to you for you to buy in that he's the real deal? You look at the stats, he's top five in yards, top five in touchdowns. He's top five in quarterback rating. He's top five in yards per attempt, yards per catch. He's in the top 10. Like if this man hasn't convinced you by now that he is one of the top tier QBs in this league, I don't know what he's ever going to be able to do to convince you. Oh, and completion percentage also in top five. Like, the only other guy that's doing all of what he does as consistently as he has been, like, Tua. Tua, and that's about it. I mean, even Mahomes is, is honestly kind of down there in a, lot of, uh, in a lot of stat categories this season. Like, no one's been consistently playing better other than arguably Tagovailoa. Not a bad place to be, really. So I'm just kind of done with all the Jared Goff hate, man. Like, what more does this man need to do to win you over? Because at this point, I don't know if anything short of, like, five Super Bowls in a row, in a row is going to do it for some of you people. It's happy hour. It's Solid State Radio. Smashing pumpkins at your local alternative, Solid State Radio. What's going on? It is happy hour. And one more burning question I have for this, this Lions team, as you've now gotten off to a 5-1 and one start, now leading not only the NFC North, not only the NFC, but the entire NFL. I feel now it's only fair to ask about the possibility of this team. I can't believe I'm about to say these words. Potentially finishing as the one seed in the NFC. Is this a thing that's really possible? Of course, a lot of things had to happen yesterday in order for what you saw or what you see now atop the standings to happen in that Philly had to lose to a god-awful Jets team. I'm still not entirely sure how that even happened. They went up, got held to 14 points, and the Jets, they, it's not like you had Zach Wilson just going out there being a total beast. He didn't even get to 200 yards on the day. He got sacked five times. He didn't throw any picks, but he didn't throw any touchdowns either. This was basically getting you close enough for Greg Zerling to kick field goals and then one Brees Hall rush for a touchdown. And 
Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts managed to rush in for one, DeAndre Swift for one, and that's all the offense they got. Not the kind of thing you're going to expect to see every day out of that team. Like, you don't imagine they're going to look that bad the rest of the way. But even more so here, you had the 49ers. And you really had them get shut down by Cleveland, which I don't think anyone really expected that. That Browns defense, I've been saying all year, the Browns defense is what's going to keep them in games going forward because it's certainly not anything about, oh, well, Deshaun Watson even play. P.J. Walker, the former XFL QB, the Carolina Panthers QB when they were blatantly tanking for Bryce Young. Yeah, that P.J. Walker goes out there and starts. Not to mention Nick Chubb, you know, best running back in the league, being done for the season, maybe for his career. But didn't matter. The defense really just manhandled and just shut down Brock Purdy. 125 yards, one touchdown and a pick. Niners couldn't get anything going. Jim Schwartz might be the best defensive coordinator in the NFL, and I can't believe I'm saying this as a guy who's, who was here for when he had this team, not quite the lowest of lows, but pretty dang low. Like, I think he'll never get another shot as a head coach again, but as a defensive coordinator, man's elite. Your defensive front basically manhandled San Fran on Sunday, and... Brock Purdy could not get anything going at the end of the day. Now, with with all that being said, is there a, is there a spot now for the Lions to sneak past these teams? I don't know if I necessarily think you get past both of them, but certainly I'd say a two seed is a very real possibility at this point. When you look at what this team has been capable of doing. Jared Goff's going out there putting up Madden numbers despite having an O-line that on Sunday could not protect him to save their lives. But you have an elite run defense. You've got a, a, a receiver core that can burn you six ways from Sunday. Amon Ra gets, you know, gets it done. If he doesn't, all of a sudden, oh, there's Jamison Williams with a, with a 45-yard bomb of a catch. Or Sam Laporta, like they can beat you so many different ways. And with a healthy David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, they're as good as any team in this league. So it would seem that you should be able to get past at least one of Phil, your San Fran. I'm not sure that the San Fran thing is sustainable here because, like I said, Cleveland's defense is just that good. But admittedly, Jets also have a good defense, a very solid defense, but shouldn't have been enough to shut down Jalen Hurts entirely. And really looking back at the record thus far, at, at some of the at the games they've won and lost, like they're struggling against some pretty mediocre teams. They five point win over the Pats, six points over the Vikings, a three point win over Washington. This just isn't a team that feels like they're going to overcome their Super Bowl hangover. I could absolutely see a scenario at this point in which the Lions overtake Philly, 
for one of the top two spots in the NFC. And who in the hell thought you'd be saying that at the start of this season? It's happy hour at Solid State Radio. The Chili Peppers at your local alternative, Solid State Radio. Let's sneak a little bit of college in here on an overreaction Monday. You saw the Michigan game on Saturday. They absolutely took Indiana to the woodshed, which is the kind of you know dominant win you're expecting to see from what is a, a mediocre at best team in the Big Ten. That was kind of the performance you, you really hoped to see out of the Wolverines. Like the, no one can say they haven't been doing the work. I mean, yeah, the schedule is what it is, and the non-conference schedule was kind of trash, but once it, since they've been playing Big Ten teams, they have taken care of business. They've won by significant margins every week. They won this week, 52-7, to seven, a 45-point win this week. The week prior, a 42-point win. The week before that, a 37-point win. They're doing what needs to be done, certainly. But are they a favorite for the national title? Well, apparently, according to sportsbetting.ag, yes. As the, their week eight odds, they put the Wolverines over Georgia. Wolverines sitting at a plus 320. Georgia at a plus 325 to win it all this season. Florida State and Ohio State tie for a distant third at plus 750. And it's not hard to see why they're, they're as uh, strong of a favorite as they are, but Georgia has been, for most of this season, I don't think there's much of an argument to, me, to be made against them. Like, they're the best team in college football and are until proven otherwise. Michigan hasn't lost a game yet, but Michigan also hasn't played anybody yet, to be fair. Georgia... They have a, a few blowout wins. They, they, they had a 20th-ranked Kentucky, took them to the woodshed. They've beaten Auburn, who is always at least somewhere in the thick of it. They beat South Carolina, a team that is not this year, but in years past has been a top 25-ranked school. It's not like they're playing nobody out there. Obviously, you have the teams like UAB, who they took to the woodshed. They're the two early non-conference games as well. But thus far, it, it's kind of hard to argue against Georgia as your number one. Like the, the resume just looks better for me for, with Georgia than it does at Michigan, where you've played literal nobody thus far. You're not even going to get a real challenge until November. Now, that said, there is one thing that might screw up Georgia's plans going forward. Their star tight end, Brock Bowers, arguably the best player in college football, left the game against Vanderbilt. And that might be a little bit of an issue going forward. He hurt his left ankle midway through the second quarter of Saturday's game, but it didn't matter because Georgia scored 27 straight points on their way to win number seven. Not hard to see why Michigan is getting... I mean, Vegas seems to have a lot of love for the Wolverines. They always do. There's a lot of die-hard maize and blue fans that will absolutely bet on their team to win it all. And we haven't really seen a whole lot from Michigan yet. They just they haven't played anybody. So everyone's still pretty well-rested and healthy and everything else, whereas now Georgia's losing their best player. So you can see why they're the national betting favorite at the moment. Am I betting on them to win a natty? No, but I see why people are, at least. Here's the Lumineers at Solid State Radio. There's the Smiths at Solid State Radio as we think about just how bleak and meaningless our lives are, especially if you're a state fan right now. Yeah, 
They went into Rutgers, and of course they lost to Rutgers, because why the hell wouldn't they at this point? It only makes sense that they would get taken to school by what is basically a MAC team. Of course they would. This weekend's game, Michigan's favored by 24.5. Of course they are. Why wouldn't they be? I expect those odds to only get worse and worse as the week goes on. Want some more bad news, though? I mean, this is one that was seemingly confirmed already, whether we wanted to admit to ourselves or not. Urban Meyer, he ain't coming here. He's not uh, coaching anywhere, apparently, so he says. On Monday, he told uh, the Knoxville Quarterback Club that he has no desire to returning to coach football. Meyer, who hasn't coached since 2021 and hasn't coached in college since 2018, is, of course, working as an analyst for Fox Sports. And the rumors have been flying fast and furious that he might consider coming to Michigan State in the wake of their latest screw-up with Mel Tucker. The question that prompted Meyer's answer didn't specify a particular job opening, though, of course, as we know, he's been rumored to replace Mel Tucker at State. Quote, I'm good. I never really took a day off. People, when I say that, they scratch their head. I'm like, I never took a day off. I had some health stuff go on. I became addicted to sleeping pills. I was just a maniac worker. So no, no desire. Of course, uh, Meyer's cohort, Bruce Feldman, had stated on October 4th that Meyer had no interest in the MSU opening and that there was zero truth to Meyer being a candidate in East Lansing. I mean, we all know. We all knew that that was going to be the case. But, man, it it just sucks to hear him actually say it out loud. (laughs) Meyer, of course, maybe you may be dodging a bullet to an extent here. Because while, yes, he had no problem doing whatever he needed to do to get recruits to his programs wherever he's been, there is, quote, the nature of talent acquisition. This from from an article from the Freep via the Knoxville News Sentinel that... uh, the nature of talent acquisition, both in building a coaching staff and recruiting a roster via high school in the por- portal, are among the reasons Meyer said he would not get back into coaching. It has never been harder. I'm telling you right now, every coach, every player has an agent. Think about that. Remember those days? Maybe a coordinator every once in a while had an agent. There's nothing wrong with agents. They're great. But when I'm the head coach having to deal with a high school player that says, meet with my agent first, I'm going, I want to meet with your family because you're talking about recruiting and other stuff. So he's not exactly all that enthused about the new world that is NIL and the transfer portal and all things that he really didn't have to contend with so much during his last uh, stint at Ohio State. So naturally, no, he's not excited to go and jump back into that. We hear a lot of guys, a lot of the old school guys who hate that. I mean, Dabo Swinney turned into a pumpkin overnight because he refuses to embrace NIL and licensing deals and the transfer portal and everything else. He's one of those who's been on record publicly rather uh, whiny about the fact that players have some semblance of agency now because how dare they do such a thing? And honestly, Tucker was kind of that way too, whether we really wanted to admit it or not. He was also not very strong when it came to embracing the transfer portal, by and large, minus one Kenneth Walker the third. But for the most part, you don't, and and I guess now knowing that, it makes me feel a little less bad about the fact that Urban's not coming here or coming back to coaching at all. Because if there's one thing I can tell you, you have to have a coach that can embrace NIL 
Embrace the transfer portal. These are a part of the game now. It's not going to change anytime soon. Pandora's box is open, and it's never getting shut again. The, all you, the best thing you can do is have a coach that is willing to go out there and play the game, that is willing to go and hit the transfer portal and talk to recruits, however we, he has to have a program and a school that is willing to do NIL-like things and give the players the, their, uh, the money that they're looking for to come to your school. Like, it's just how it has to be. It just does. There's no going back from it. This is how college football is now. There's not going to be anything that the NCAA can reasonably do at this point to change that. You don't put the genie back in the bottle when it comes to the name, image, likeness stuff. When it comes to the transfer portal, you can either sit there and whine about it and complain about, oh, it's, it's, it's hurting the purity of the game or whatever, or you can say F it and embrace it. And if Michigan State is smart and seeing the administration there, the board and the AD, I don't in fact trust that they are smart, but if they were, you absolutely go out there and you find a guy that is willing to embrace all of that and not just go up on the podium and make excuses. Oh, NIL made it impossible for us to compete. The transfer portal is destroying the game, so on and so forth. Like, no one wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear any of this. No one wants the excuses. You know what the fan base wants you to do? They want you to go out and do whatever you can to get the best team out on the field. It's why I didn't care about winning the PR battle with your next hire. It's why pre-Urban coming out and decrying the NIL and the transfer portal. Oh, because you're mad you can't, play, uh, you can't pay players under the table now? That's what it is? Oh, well, now that everyone else can do it, I don't like it, and it needs to be abolished. Sure, we'll go with that. That being said, the fan base doesn't care. They want wins. Who cares about running a squeaky clean program at this point? Who cares about winning a PR battle that you're never going to win? The media is never going to respect you. The media nationally is never going to respect you. The media here locally is never going to respect you. It's not going to happen. Everyone here is so in the tank for Michigan, and they're all drinking the maize and blue Kool-Aid at all times, that you're never going to get your flowers no matter what you do. So you might as well just go out there and compete and contend and win and make it clear that you're not just going to settle for being a MAC-level team. Make it clear that you're not going to be, okay, well, seven, eight wins and, and, you know, the the Bob's Farm Supply Bowl is good enough for us. We're never going to be a real threat to anything. They want you to be, little brother. That's That's what they expect. That's what they want you to be forever. That's the media in this town. That's a lot of the, that, that's the Michigan fan base, certainly. And honestly, nationally, no one's going to give you respect. So why bother trying to earn it? Just go out there and win. Winning fixes everything. Always does. Doesn't matter how trash of a program you win, as long as you're in the hunt for a natty. And the same applies here to the NIL and transfer portal stuff. You can say how, how bad you think it is for football that we're doing this now. Look how quickly Clemson went from being a national power to a MAC-level team. Almost overnight. The game has changed. You adapt or you die. One of the two 
you can't have it both ways. Here's Andrew McMahon in the wilderness at Solid State Radio. The Foo at your local alternative, Solid State Radio. What's going on? It is happy hour, and I find myself in a weird position right now having to acknowledge ESPN's rant shows because they're actually giving love to your Detroit football Lions. Somehow, this morning, on first take, which normally, don't watch it, don't acknowledge it, don't really care, but it is interesting how the Lions find themselves all of a sudden at the center of the sports conversation to the point where the debate this morning was if the Lions are the best team in the NFC unseating the Eagles or the Niners. And even more shockingly, Stephen A. Smith, who is an outspoken Philly boy like no other, has declared that Detroit is the class of the conference and that Jared Goff is playing at the highest level of any NFC quarterback. Quote, these guys are at 5-1 and one and 13-3 and three since week 9 of last season, the second best record in the NFL in that time behind the San Francisco 49ers, Smith yelled on national television. I mean, Jared Goff, have you seen the way he's been balling? Smith's co-host, of course, Dan Orlovsky, former Lions QB, and Hall of Fame tight end Shannon Sharp said the Lions were still behind the Niners, but still firmly belonged in the conversation as one of the league's best teams. But it wasn't just him. Peter King in his NBC Sports column singled out the Lions for what he called a perfect play, that being the play where Craig Reynolds just Matt trucks a guy on Amon Ross St. Brown's way to getting a touchdown that game. Even Fox Sports' Jeff Schwartz, a former NFL offensive lineman, Praised the Lions' overall effort in the win over Tampa, called the early success a testament to the team culture. It's just so weird to me to really have the national media embracing the Lions and really having faith in this team. Like, I feel like we're a little more pessimistic on this show as diehard Lions fans than the actual national pundits who get paid to follow all of the teams all year long. It's just a weird thing that I have I've not gotten used to yet, and I don't know if I will. I mean, I'm fully on board with this thing, and I do believe this team is going to do good things this season, but it is so weird for once not actually being laughed at by the national media as opposed to where how normally things go where like, no, you guys really, we're, we're contender here. Yeah, yeah, sure. You are. That's adorable. It's just weird. And I'm yet I'm entirely 110% here for it. It's happy hour. It's solid state radio. Happy Hour at Solid State Radio as we get set to get the hell out of Dodge. You're on a Monday afternoon. Stick around, though. Full hour of local original music comes your way next on a little show we like to call Solid State Sessions. All being well, we'll be back here tomorrow afternoon at 3 with more overreactions, and maybe we'll actually talk some Red Wings. See ya.